Alrighty then. Happy New Year, right? It is 2023, and this is the first broadcast of Lavender Hill for the new year. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in either at 89.3 FM or online at kzum.org through the archives or using that handy-dandy smarter-than-a-calculator device that you just got for Christmas and uh, using your uh, favorite mobile listening app like TuneIn or Next Radio. Alrighty, so that was Sundara Karma with Illusions. Uh, so we're just, you know, I don't know. Are we going to be disillusioned here? Well, we might find out a little bit later. I don't know. But it was a good year for uh, LGBTQ plus politicians. 2022 was, at least uh, from what I see here on LGBTQNation.com and a little article from Molly Spray Reagan writing for them yesterday, Saturday, December 31st, 2022, uh, addressing primarily the midterms, uh, which were historic for the LGBTQ plus community with a record number of out candidates winning their races. According to the LGBTQ plus Victory Fund, 436 out candidates were victorious, beating 2020's record of 336 with a 61% win rate for the candidates. What's more, many of the winning politicians made history as the first out LGBTQ person to be elected to their position. Uh, Molly took a look at just 12 of those who broke lavender ceilings in 2022, including Mara Healy and Tina Kotek. Together, Mara Healy, a Democrat of Massachusetts, and Tina Kotek, a Democrat of Oregon, were elected the nation's first ever out lesbian governors. Erin May Quaid and Claire Omu Verbetten uh, also made history, collectively becoming the first out LGBTQ plus and first black women ever elected to the Minnesota State Senate. James uh, Rosener, a 26-year-old Democrat became the first trans man ever elected to a state legislature. Uh, let's see here. Becca Ballant, a Democrat, of course, it seems that's the trend there, uh, was elected the first out LGBTQ plus woman member of Congress from Vermont. Robert Garcia, uh, during the midterm elections, two-term Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia, a Democrat, became the first out LGBTQ plus immigrant elected to Congress, and he'll represent California's 42nd district. Christian Manuel Hayes and Vinton Jones uh, together have become the first out black LGBTQ plus men ever elected to the Texas state legislature. Jason Hoskins uh, became the first out LGBTQ person of color elected to Michigan state legislature. Uh, Zoe Zephyr uh, was the first out trans person ever elected to the Montana legislature. Uh, and she decided to run after testifying before the Montana legislature against anti-trans sports bills. And lastly, but not least, Democrat Eric Russell won his election for Connecticut treasurer, making him the first black and gay statewide office holder in the United States. Like I said, that's just 12 out of the, what was that number? 400 and something. Scroll back up here. 436 
out candidates who won their seats. All righty. Well, moving on from some great news there, and of course, there's going to be more good news. I'm going to try that. That's kind of like, you know, my New Year's resolution, if you will, for Lavender Hill is try to address more of the good when it's available. Uh, according to an article on Pink News from December 30th, written by Theo Berman, President Biden uh, is uh, set to repeal a Trump rule that would let doctors refuse trans care and abortion. A Trump-era conscience rule that would have allowed healthcare workers to refuse certain treatments will be rescinded. <clears throat> Pardon me. Joe Biden's administration has announced that it will strike down a rule introduced by the Trump's government, yeah, I like that, uh, that allowed healthcare workers to refuse to take part in abortions, gender-affirming care for trans people, and other important procedures on religious or moral grounds. The rule, which was originally blocked in 2019 by the courts, expanded on a 1973 law that allows physicians and other healthcare professionals to refuse participation in a medical procedure if it caused undue hardship on their employer. Trump's law would have expanded this to include gender-affirming care as well as abortion and sterilization, i.e. Uh, getting your tubes tied or getting a vasectomy. Under Biden's leadership, the Department of Health and Human Services is rescinding the majority of these proposals, leaving only a few um, complaint procedure changes in place. In its proposal, the department said the Trump proposals would undermine the balance Congress struck between safeguarding conscience, rights, and protecting access to health care. You can read more about that over on Pink News. I'll be sharing that link along with everything else that I address today, and maybe a little bit more, on the Lavender Hill Facebook page. All right. Well, keeping with the good here, at least here in the beginning, another article by Molly Sprayregan, kind of doing another little uh, retrospective, if you will, for 2022. This was also published uh, Saturday, December 31st on LGBTQNation.com. Seven International LGBTQ Plus Rights Advances in 2020. Just kind of a little brief coverage there. Marriage equality became a reality in Mexico, Slovenia, Cuba, and Chile. Very good there. Kind of uh, moving on ahead there. Uh, Ireland voted to make trans people a protected class. Greece banned genital surgery on intersex babies. Uh, basically allowing for the parents and child to make that decision later in life. Zimbabwe decriminalized de HIV transmission. Uh, might want to just kind of cover a little bit more on that. Uh, the uh, UNAIDS press release uh, from, uh, uh, from earlier uh, released uh, stated that a legal assessment completed by Zimbabwe in 2019 found that criminalizing the transmission of HIV created stigma for those living with the virus and also caused barriers to health care. Uh, the uh, press release also said... Criminalizing transmission deters people from getting tested for HIV. No kidding. Uh, trans people won the right to exist in Kuwait. Yes, you heard that right. Just the right to exist. Uh, New Zealand banned conversion therapy. Tokyo granted domestic partnerships to same-sex couples. That's a big step for Japan. 
And, uh, you know, lots of other things good happened in 2022 when it comes to advancing LGBTQ rights around the globe. All righty. Well, believe it or not, we're already a quarter of an hour into the show, and that means that it is time to do a little bit of a music break. And I think this is an appropriate piece after all that good news. Uh, David Bowie, and I'm sure you will recognize this song. All righty. Well, moving on to some not so great news and visiting with Florida man, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis who uh, is sticking his foot in it again when it comes to uh, drag shows. The Florida governor is investigating a holiday-themed drag show that he claims exposed kids to so-called sexually explicit activity. And this is according to an article on Pink News. Uh, Remember, the new URL from Pink News is thepinknews.com. The state's Department of Business and Professional Regulation said it received multiple complaints alleging the December 26th performance of a drag queen Christmas was sexually explicit and quote marketed to children a drag queen Christmas is a tour featuring alumni of RuPaul's drag race and has been going strong for several years now according to the tour's website this year's performance was hosted by Nina West and Trinity the Tuck The Broward Center for the Performing Arts, where the show was held, explained admission to a drag queen Christmas on December 26th was limited to guests aged 18 or older, unless accompanied by a parent. They said patrons were informed about the content of the show and adult themes in a message sent via email in advance, as is the policy before most shows hosted by the Broward Center. Brian Griffin, a press secretary for DeSantis, released a statement on social media that DBPR is investigating the Fort Lauderdale performance. To quote from that statement, the department is actively investigating this matter, including video footage and photographs from the event. DBPR will, like in other cases, take action. Uh, It's uh, stated in the statement, exposing children to sexually explicit activity. Right-wingers have used rhetoric claiming drag performances are inherently sexual to lamb-based family-friendly shows and is a crime in Florida. If the venue is found to have violated the DBPR's licensing standards, it could have its business and liquor license revoked, the statement added. The investigation could also be referred to Florida's Department of Law Enforcement for potential criminal liability. The Broward Center for the Performing Arts told The Hill it had not been contacted by state officials as of late Wednesday, December 27th. A letter from the Ron DeSantis administration was sent to the Orlando Philharmonic Plaza Foundation, the penultimate top or stop, pardon me, on a drag queen Christmas tour that was dated for the 28th. Uh, DBPR Secretary Melanie Griffin warned the venue operators in the letter shared by the Florida Standard on Twitter that minors should be banned from the upcoming performance. To quote from that letter, the department has reason to believe that this drag show is of a sexual nature involving the exposure or exhibition of sexual organs, similar sexual activity, and or the sexualization of children's stories, the letter read. The department has become aware that drag shows by drag fans have been marketed to and attended by minors, including young children. 
Wow. I'll let you read the rest of that article yourself because uh, there's a lot more to it and that's full of some misinformation from that department there or at least uh, misinformed information. Uh, yeah, but it is Florida man and his administration down there that we're talking about. So I suppose anything goes. All righty. Well, what else can we get ourselves into here? Uh, well, let's go from Florida to Colorado. And the nation as a whole and talk about Lauren Boebert who says the omnibus bill will sexualize her sons. She is accusing her colleagues of sexualizing her sons because they're voting for an appropriations bill. This is uh, from a week ago this past Friday. That's December 23rd, 2022. Alex Bollinger writing for LGBTQNation.com. Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado is opposed to the $1.7 trillion, or was opposed to the $1.7 trillion spending bill the House was expected to vote on later that day. And she has some of the most bizarre reasons for opposing the bill, calling it disgusting, un-American, and wrong. Hmm. I know this is slightly old news, but hey, the last two weeks were taken up with fun and interview. Anywho, uh, instead of just attacking the bill's military aid for Ukraine, election reforms, health care and child care funding, and funds for food assistance, Bobert accused the bill of sexualizing her four sons. Why do you want to sexualize our children, she asks in a video posted to social media opposing the bill, addressing those voting for it. I have four boys, and this law is targeting children of their ages all across America. She then explained that she is referring to, or that she was referring to some small grants for LGBTQ plus programs, including 1.2 million for LGBTQ plus students in San Diego and half a million for the Long Island Gay and Lesbian Youth Program. The programs she cited make up less than point, get this, point zero, zero, zero. One three percent of the total bill's funding, and none of them have anything to do with Colorado, where she and her sons live. Uh, this isn't about consenting adults living their lives, she continued in the video, as if there is something untoward about people under the age of 18 being LGBTQ+. Bobert herself dropped out of high school while pregnant with her first child, so one would think that she can understand that teenagers are capable of experiencing sexual attraction. She has said in the past that people under age 21 should be banned from coming out. You hadn't heard that before? You just did. Yeah, she said that. Uh, and she went on to say, I'm working hard in D.C. to protect the freedoms of all Americans, even though she opposes all LGBTQ plus rights legislation, including the Equality Act, which would ban discrimination against LGBTQ plus people, and the Respect for Marriage Act, which protects um, same-sex marriage, uh, marriage rights if the Supreme Court overturns Obergefell v. Hodges. She went on to say, but this bill funds the sexualization of our children, and that is disgusting. It's an American, and it's wrong. Really don't think she understands what she's saying. The, omni the omnibus bill was, uh, was Congress's attempt to keep Republicans, who will control the House of Representatives, 
in 2023 from taking the budget process hostage in future negotiations with the Democratic Senate and President Biden. It also includes some bipartisan initiatives that some Republicans oppose, like funding for prosecutions of January 6th rioters, funding for the Capitol Police, and aid for Ukraine. The bill funds the federal government through September of 2023. The Senate passed the bill and the House was expected to pass it as well. 18 Republican senators voted in favor of the bill, while House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, a Republican of California, vowed that the House would not consider bills sponsored by those 18 GOP senators for the next two years as a punishment for their votes. Yeah, that's how politics works. You vote against the majority of your party and sometimes... They'll punish you for it by refusing to even consider what you have to say. All righty. Well, we are getting close to the bottom of the hour. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready for that here. Um, but before we go uh, to that, I do want to say thank you for all the support over the years with Lavender Hill. I'm looking forward to giving you even more uh, news, views, some interviews. I've got one coming up next week with uh, the Nebraska AIDS Project. Uh, TJ King will be joining me in studio for that. You heard him a couple of weeks ago as the uh, diversity outreach person for uh, Star City Pride when he was here with uh, Gretchen from Star City Pride as well. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a good year, I hope. Not just for Lavender Hill and KZUM, but for the LGBT community as a whole. Do want to wish you a happy new year. I know we're only halfway through the show, but I've got a little time to fill here and don't want to address something else before we dive into all of the other stuff that's going on. I know that was kind of confusing. I'm a little confused at what I just said. Okay, so here's hoping that 2023 has found you happy, healthy, and whole. And if it hasn't yet, hopefully it'll get you well on the way to that. Let's go ahead and take that hour, uh, bottom of the hour break just a smidgen early. When we come back, we'll have uh, some steampunk stuff for you here, music-wise. This is Barefoot Bran, and you are listening to Lavender Hill on KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD. Over a decade of LGBTAI2S plus news talk and music to make you think alrighty that was Steam Powered Giraffe with Transform it's a single and also appears on one of their albums there for you as well I, I enjoy Steam Powered Giraffe as I'm sure you've figured out since I play that song or others of theirs uh, once a month or so give or take anywho uh, there's been a couple of uh, deaths in the last couple of days that have uh, impacted on a global level. But first, we're going to talk about Pope Palpatine, I mean, uh, Benedict, uh, the uh, Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, who passed away yesterday, December 31st, 2022. All right, according to an article over on thepinknews.com, uh, from uh, Patrick Kelleher, uh, writing under their religion banner, LGBTQ plus Catholics recall, quote, tremendous damage Pope Benedict XVI caused during his, quote, painful reign. There's a lot to the Pope 
uh, there that uh, could be quite interesting to discuss. Anywho, Pope Benedict XVI, who resigned as head of the Catholic Church in 2013, a uh, almost unheard of event, uh, died on Saturday, the 31st of December, at the age of 95. Uh, as tributes poured in for the Pope Emeritus, LGBTQ plus Catholics recalled how his time in the Vatican marked a dark, painful era for queer people. Marianne uh, Duddy Burke, executive director of LGBTQ plus Catholic organization Dignity USA, said Pope Benedict XVI's words harmed queer people and damaged families. In a statement, she's quoted as saying, the death of any human being is an occasion of sorrow. We pray for Pope Benedict's soul and express our condolences to his family, friends, and loved ones. However, his death also calls us to reflect honestly on his legacy. Benedict's leadership in the church as Pope, and before that as head of the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, caused tremendous damage to LGBTQIA plus people and our loved ones. His words and writings forced our community out of Catholic churches, tore families apart, silenced our supporters, and even cost lives. He refused to recognize even the most basic human rights for LGBTQIA plus people, Many of us experienced the most harsh and blatant religiously justified discrimination of our lives as a result of his policies. Now, a little minor background information for you. Before he uh, became Pope, uh, the then Cardinal Ratzinger, as head of Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, was essentially... No, not essentially. He was the Grand Inquisitor. He was head of the Modern Inquisition. That's what the uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith is. But uh, there's a lot more behind him that uh, some people may find objectionable. Dignity USA pointed out that as leader of the CDF, Pope Benedict XVI was responsible for a 1986 letter which labeled gay men and lesbians as objectively disordered. The same letter said, said same-sex sexual relationships were intrinsically evil and essentially self-indulgent. Furthermore, Dignity USA condemned the former pontiff for banning the distribution of condoms by Catholic health and social service agencies, a move which impacted the spread of HIV. In 2012, during his final year as leader of the Catholic Church, he spoke out against same-sex marriage, saying it, quote, destroyed the essence of the human creature. He also said allowing same-sex couples to adopt represented a, quote, attack on the traditional family. Uh, Duddy Burke added in the, in the statement for Dignity USA, it is impossible to overstate the damage Pope Benedict's repeated dehumanizing of LGBTQ plus, uh, LGBTQIA plus people has caused. Uh, individuals, families, and whole communities across the globe suffered tragic consequences, many of which are still felt today. We pray that the church will use the period of reflection following Pope Benedict's death to acknowledge that in many cases he used his power in ways that failed to further the gospel message of love, human unity, and the responsibility to care for the marginalized. Hmm. 
Uh, Often referred to as God's Rottweiler, Pope Benedict was a polarizing force within the Catholic Church uh, during his time as pontiff for his careful adherence to traditional interpretations of church doctrine. One of the biggest challenges he faced when he took over from Pope John Paul II was to tackle various sexual abuse scandals within the church, but he ultimately failed to take appropriate action. In January of last year, January 2022, a report found that he failed to take action against priests who abused children during his tenure as Archbishop of Munich, even though he knew of allegations against them. Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, or SNAP, an organization that advocates for survivors, described Pope Benedict XVI as, quote, an abuse enabler in a press release shortly after news of his death was confirmed. Any celebration that marks the life of abuse enablers like Benedict must end, the group said. It is past time for the Vatican to refocus on change, tell the truth about known abusive clergy, protect children and adults, and allow justice to those who have been hurt. The statement went on to say, honoring Pope Benedict XVI now is not only wrong, it is shameful. Yeah. I'll let you form your own opinion about um, Pope Benedict XVI, the Pope Emeritus, who passed away yesterday, December 31st. But I think it's quite clear my opinion of him. And, you know, if I offended somebody out there because of my opinion, so be it. All righty. Well, like I said, there was another death that... uh, impacted on a global level and this was on december 30th 2022 according to an article from lgbtqnation.com molly spray writing again she was busy this past week uh, legendary journalist barbara walters has died at 93 the subheading of that headline though reads for walters one award stood out above them all the one for her groundbreaking 2007 2020 special on transgender children. Uh, Known for her groundbreaking interviews with celebrities, world leaders, and everyone in between, Walter spoke with figures from Monica Lewinsky to Margaret Thatcher, to the Dalai Lama, to Lucille Ball, to Muhammad Ali, to Barack Obama. Throughout her career, she blazed the trail for women journalists, chronicling decades of world history and making her own in the process. In 1974, she became the first woman to co-host the Today Show. In 1976, she again made history as the first woman co-anchor of a network evening news show when she was hired by ABC. Walters was fired after two years due to low ratings and tensions with her co-anchor, Nevertheless, her career continued to blossom. Walters continued to cement herself as one of the nation's greatest journalists with a relaxed yet piercing interview style that kept viewers coming back again and again. In 1979, she began working for ABC's 2020 and became a co-host in 84. In 2000, she became the highest paid news host in history with a $12 million per year salary. Walters was also known as the creator of The View, an all-woman panel-style talk show that premiered in 1997 and continues today. She she co-hosted the show until retiring in 2013. Walters won countless awards throughout her career, including the Lifetime Achievement Award for the International Women's Media Foundation and the Lifetime Achievement Award for the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. She was nominated for dozens of Primetime and Daytime Emmy Awards, 
winning five. She was also inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1989 and received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2007. But for Walters, one award stood out above them all, that given to her by LGBTQ media advocacy organization GLAAD for her groundbreaking 2007-2020 special on transgender children. In that special titled My Secret Life, A Story of Transgender Children, Walters interviewed a six-year-old Jazz Jennings who went on to become a renowned transgender activist with her own TLC documentary series I Am Jazz. For that special, Glide gave Walters an award for television news magazine journalism during the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation Media Awards. Upon accepting, Walters said, You can forget all the Emmys. This means more to me. All right, there's a little bit more to that article. I'll let you read that for yourself. There's also some clips from some of uh, the stuff going on with that uh, 2020 special from 2007, as well as other uh, things that might be of interest to you. Uh, We're going to take another music break here before we wrap up with kind of, sort of, maybe good news? We'll see. Anywho, so let's get on here with some music, and we're going to have some Lavender Country all disillusions behind little lavender country there with all disillusions behind all righty well we are in the last 10 minutes of the show and i've got some quasi good news i say quasi good news because there's always a catch when it comes to the fda it seems now this is an article dating back to december 1st of last year and something that we're going to go into more detail with tj when he's here next week from the nebraska aids project but i wanted to bring it up to you now because it's something that we need to keep an eye on. The FDA is considering a change to policy on gay men donating blood, but there's a catch. According to David Hudson, writing for Queerty.com, back on December 1st, the FDA is reportedly poised to amend its policies around gay and bisexual men donating blood. In 1983, the agency introduced a lifetime ban on men who had sex with men from donating blood in response to the growing AIDS epidemic. The FDA amended the ban in 2015 to say that HIV-negative gay or bisexual men who had gone without sex for at least one year were eligible to donate. Taking a lot on uh, uh, people being honest there, I guess. Then in 2020, this was amended again and shortened that to 90 days. It's a little bit more reasonable, right? Mm. Well, following a study, the FDA says it will likely support a policy transition to individual risk-based donor screening questions for reducing the risk of HIV transmission. In other words, they'll ask potential donors about their sexual history and then make a decision on whether they can donate blood. The main thing being monogamy, of course. According to the Wall Street Journal, the FDA is looking at allowing gay men who are in a committed monogamous relationship to donate blood, even if they have had sex in recent days or weeks. All donated blood is tested for HIV and other potential infections. However, there is a small window period of 7 to 10 days when HIV may be undetectable after someone acquires the virus. Uh, There is no further word yet on how the FDA may change its guidelines. It may take a few more months to consult with other stakeholders to review its study results. 
But early in uh, 2022, the FDA conducted the advanced study in conjunction with uh, Vitalant, One Blood, and the American Red Cross. Around 1,600 gay and bi men participated. It assessed whether a questionnaire approach is proved as effective as a 90-day blanket ban on all queer men. Some health experts and LGBTQ advocates have been saying for years that the blanket ban on gay men donating blood should be reviewed. Although this news coming on the eve of World AIDS Day last month has been welcomed, others think it doesn't go far enough. For example, there is no indication that the FDA will allow polyamorous gay men on PrEP to donate blood. Definitely going to address some of that next week while TJ's here. Uh, and there's a lot of things to uh, consider with that. That uh, blanket ban in 1983 was instituted because they were hesitant to spend the money, the American Red Cross was, to screen blood donations and blood product donations for, I believe it was hepatitis B, the screening for that was over 80% effective in detecting what became known as the HIV virus. Ah, yes, the early days of the AIDS epidemic were rife with problems and, well, still not a whole lot better, but it is getting there. Alrighty, and a little bit of news of what the huh, I guess you could say. Dictionary.com's word of the year for 2022 came about because Republicans spent most of that year unable to define the word woman. Yeah. Uh, according to an article on LGBTQNation.com from December 27th, Molly Spray Reagan again, uh, as part of a slew of anti-trans attacks, Republicans spent the better part of 2022 trying and failing to prove that they could easily define what makes someone a woman. The result, Dictionary.com declared woman to be 2022's word of the year after searches for the word doubled compared to the average annual number of searches. The website explained that the word continues to be a source of intense personal importance in societal debate and that it is inseparable from the story of 2022. Our selection of woman as our 2022 word of the year reflects how the intersection of gender, identity and language dominates the current cultural conversation and shapes much of our world as a dictionary work as a dictionary pardon me the announcement continued adding that at its highest point searches for the word rose by over 1400 percent so yeah it's a bit of a long article there on lgbtqnation.com that along with everything else that i've discussed will be listed there on our facebook page for lavender hill uh later on today uh so yeah take a look at that anywho i'm getting ready to hand things over to deb anderson with the women's show uh she's going to be joined by uh twyla for an interview and uh, ed rumbaugh for some female jazz musicians for the latter part of the show so stay tuned to uh, kzum for that and again i am wishing you a happy 2023 i hope the year finds you happy healthy and whole or at least well on the way to being all three gonna go out with a little bit of music here for you as i usually do and we'll just 
I'm looking out the window going, where is Deb? So, hmm, I know she didn't party hardy too long last night, but we'll just see. Here she is. She's coming in now. All right. So, Sister Sledge, we are family, and we'll have a little bit of time for some Lady Shark afterwards. <laughs> 